What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Brandon Poulin. Brandon and his wife, Kaylin, are a dynamic duo in business and life. They started their business career in network marketing where they grossed over $12 million in sales with thousands of team members under their leadership. Next, they founded and led Lady Boss, a women's health and lifestyle brand, to be the number four fastest growing privately held company in America in 2019. Together, they have built marketing, sales, services, support, IT, HR, and finance teams that have helped them generate over $200 million in combined revenue through multiple verticals and channels, including consumer packaged goods, high-ticket coaching, apparel and accessories, digital products, courses, live events, and book sales. Their Barnes & Noble number one best-selling book, Business and Consumer Product Awards, business profile, and mainstream blog contributions have accumulated 50-plus media appearances on major news networks including Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, Forbes, Pop Culture, Today, BuzzFeed, and many others. They have advised and coached dozens of multi-million dollar businesses including clients like Russell Brunson and Billie Jean. As a team, they are wholly committed to God, their marriage, their girls, Romy and Revlin, and the highest level of success for their clients and community. To date, they have donated well over $1 million to charity and counting. Brandon, welcome to the Extraordinary Man podcast. So great to have you on here today. How are you doing? What's up, Ryan? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just uh, thinking about our Viking connection here. We're both Minnesota Vikings fans. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I know. I was, I was excited. You got Vikings in the background. I got Vikings in my background. It's awesome. Vikings are going to the Super Bowl this year. I can feel it. And uh, yeah, I love that we share that connection. Next time you're in Minnesota, let's uh, go catch a game together. U.S. Bank Stadium is amazing. It'd be a ton of fun. All right. Let's uh, let's start by jumping into your backstory. You know, you're really successful now, obviously, like I mentioned in the bio, but it wasn't always that way. Can you tell us a little bit more about your backstory? Yeah, totally. Um, So I actually, uh, I remember... My first business thought, it's kind of a weird story, but I was in the backseat of my mom's car and we were going through McDonald's drive-thru and I had to have been like five years old. And I remember like thinking like, okay, like we're rolling in and like, they're going to give us like food and like, we're going to pay for it. And then, but they have to like get the food. So it probably cost them something. And so I had this weird economic thought as like a child and I don't know where it came from, but uh, I think. I think I've always just been wired that way in, in, in the direction of, you know, business for some reason. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I was always the kid in, in school that if I wasn't interested or excited about something, I just did not care to do it. And so sometimes it was to my benefit and sometimes it wasn't like I had terrible grades in high school, but, but usually I caught on to things quickly. Right. And, and so when I think about, you know, transitioning out of school and then, um, and then into um, business, I remember my first job was at, uh, uh, it was at Sunflower Market. I think it's called Sprouts now, but it's like a, like a healthy grocery store. And I was there for like three months and I worked so hard and it was like, I was making like $7.25 an hour, right? Like, like, like stocking the milk in the dairy section of the grocery store. And, um, 
And I remember thinking like, man, I, I worked so hard. I think I work harder than the other people here. I'm going to go ask my manager for a raise. I was like, he's like, huh? Yeah. Right. Like all I wanted was 50 cents. And he's like, hi, oh, yeah. Right. Let's give it another six months. And I'm just like, this is going to take forever. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere um, doing this. And so um, that actual man, that same manager, like cussed and yelled out an employee uh, in front of me, like the next day. And I was like, that is not going to be me. I'm out of here. Right. And so I remember walking out, no idea was just kind of like, what do I want to do with my life? Right. Like that's, you know, that stage I'm going to be terrified when my kids are in that stage. That's a ways away. But <laughs> so, so, so I got my first job as a lead setter and this was like my first real job. So I set appointments for bathroom remodels. Right. So it was like, my job was at the trade show or uh, in the showroom uh, to get you to set an appointment. So a salesman could go out to your house and sell a bathroom or kitchen remodel. And um, that was like my first sales. And it's funny, most entrepreneurs that, that I coach or that I talk to, like they, all of them started somewhere in sales. It's like this common thread that you see. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I did really well. I, I studied hard. I remember my boss was like, um, oh, nice jeans. You know, he made like a comment to me. And like the next day I showed up in like a suit, right? I was like, I don't think I had a suit. I think I had like a tie, like, like a butt up in a tie. I don't think I could afford the jacket or something, but you know, and so that was like, that was the mindset that I, that I had. I was just like, Hey, like just excellence. I'm going to go all out at it. And so from there, I remember asking like, put me in coach, like, let me go sell. Like, I don't want to just be the lead setter. Let me go sell. And he was like, here's three books. You're too young. Give it another two years. Right. And I'm like, this isn't working. Right. This isn't fast enough. Like I can do this. Right. The, the next thing that I moved to was network marketing. Right. So like where you like call all your friends and like, imagine like this 18 year old kid. So I was 18 at this point. Um, and I think I was just about to turn 18. And so imagine this like 18 year old kid calling all of his high school friends that had like no money about this like health challenge. Right. Like that was me like dialing down the list, like, like literally just on the grind. And, uh, I actually, I actually did pretty well at it. You know, I just stayed committed. I had no business. Like when I think back to him, when I think back to it, I was like, I wouldn't even sign me up. You know what I mean? Like the person that, that signed me up, like it doesn't make any sense. Right. It was like, uh, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have in my network. All I knew were like kids I partied with, you know, I, I was quite a heathen back in those days. And, uh, and, and, and I was, I was wild. And so, um, and so, uh, really what happened in network marketing was I, I got around people who thought differently. And as soon as I got around people who thought differently, uh, I started to level up my thinking. Right. And it, you know, that's why it's so important, the people that you have around you. And, and so, and so in network marketing, I learned how to sell. I learned how to lead. Um, at one point I was doing, you know, trainings in front of thousands of people, people, you know, knew who I was influence, whatever. It was, it was all cool. And I had a, a free car with the company and I was making like about six figures and I was like 19. Right. And I actually met my now wife through that company. And so I think by the end of that chapter, I think we ended up doing about $12 million in sales. You know, and we saw a small portion of that, but it really gave me my foundation of like people and selling. And like every night I was in living rooms, meeting random people, like, and it really set the stage for lady boss, right. Which is what I'm doing now. And so, and so really what, what had happened was that had totally crashed, right network marketing comes in waves and it, and it grows in waves. It's like the most volatile business model. Um, it's amazing. 
uh, and terrible at the same time. Um, but it's a great place to start if you don't, you know, know how to start something. Right. And, uh, and so, and so I remember, I remember vividly Kaylin and I, we were engaged at the time, everything like it was just tanking and we were two months behind on rent, car payments, we're starting to use credit cards to buy groceries. And like, you know, I just like, it's heavy, like thinking about like that time. And as a man, you're like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, I, do I need to go get a job? Like, am I just like, am I in la la land? Like what's happening, you know? And so transitioning from that to lady boss, really, it was like, well, why don't we do it on our own? Right? Like, like this company, this idea, it was great, but we know social media, we know digital, right? What if we, what if we took what we knew and the customers and everything there and we did it on our own. And so that's kind of where lady boss was born. It wasn't actually called that at first, but um, you know, we spent two months basically working night after night, like all day, every day We're we're not making any money. We're just like filming and, and, and creating content. And, and so putting together this, um, this health, uh, this, this health program basically. And, uh, and so we launched it. It was like Yolanda, $23 and 49 cents. It was like the best money I've ever made in my life. Right. Like, like to this day, you know, like hundreds of millions, whatever later, I, it doesn't even feel the same as the first $23 that Yolanda, uh, you know, graced us with. So, um, it's been quite a journey since then, man. I mean, it's been seven years since we've been open. Um, you know, we've, we've built teams over a hundred people. We've done so many crazy things, events, best-selling book, blah blah blah. It's it's been a lot of fun, man. I've learned I've learned so much, and and I always say like building a business is like the hardest, uh, most exciting thing you'll ever do, um, or I've ever done. And uh, that's probably why like on my bio it says adrenaline junkie. It's like I have to go like fly in the desert at sixty miles an hour at sixty miles an hour on a motorcycle to like relax because. <laughs> Because you know, building a big company is a, an intense process. So, so I think that, that that probably sums it up pretty good. I think. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I love you sharing all those details, and I can totally relate to so many things that you said. <laughs> I started network marketing also, nice. um, and, and so many other different things. And it it is great because network marketing can teach you a lot of things, like you said, the foundation of of selling and even just getting into personal development and that type of thing. But totally. what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made in business, and what lessons did you learn from them? Man, this is probably one of my favorite questions. And, uh, and there's going to be, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a book coming where I'm going to talk about a lot of these things. Cause this question right here, I could literally write a book on and I'm going to, I, uh, man, I would say biggest ones, like I would say for people, I'll just say, I'll just put it this way. I could take this in so many directions of the different types of mistakes that I've made. Cause there's so many. And like, I think that's the thing that I want like people to take away is that, like you hear the bio and you hear the, you, you see the success. And this is just me. This is anyone who talks about it. Like all you see is people's highlight reel. Like you don't see the muck that they drag themselves through and they get punched in the gut and pick themselves back up. Like you don't see that. And so I did a talk at a, a mastermind a couple, like a month ago, two months ago, uh, at a friend of mine, uh, Josh Snow, Low Silva, their mastermind. And I talked about like, I think I got to six of my mistakes and they were like, can you send us the rest of them? Like, and, it, and it's just like, they're just so raw. So, so I think what, one of the big ones is not focusing on your hero product or service. So 
if you have a business and you've started to see success, typically the first stupid thing that we as entrepreneurs do is we immediately try to like recreate something new instead of doubling down on what's working. Diversification is a good strategy when it's time for that strategy, right? Like it's, it's a great strategy in, in certain contexts, but if you're trying to get to your first million dollars, $2 million, $5 million in sales, I would say, I would even say that like, I just coached a, a $10 million company the other day in a, in a, in a kind of a group setting. And the guy just needs to do what he did to make $10 million more and make 30. And so like that focus on the thing that the market latches onto and that you're best at, um, I think the lack of doing that in us has hurt us. And so many times where you get like shiny object highway, highway syndrome. There's just like this highway of like shiny, amazing stuff. And you're like, Ooh, NFTs. Ooh, absolutely. Crypto, ooh, coaching. Ooh, like there's so many things. Right. And just to jump in real quick. So do you think that's why people do that? Because yeah, they're successful. They've made maybe a million dollars, maybe more, but they're like, this is boring. I need to add something in. Do you think that's why? I don't know. I think, um, I think that's definitely part of it, right? Like you get bored and you want to, you want to, you want to change it up. I get that. And so, you know, and that's where you have to say, okay, well maybe like, maybe like I'm really just bored of my business. Right. And I need to, um, I need to do something exciting within the bounds of like, what's going to work, or maybe I need to sell it and then get another one, or maybe I need to right. So I think there's different contexts for that question, but I think I think that the number one thing that I see people do wrong is this. And we tend to overcomplicate our problems sometimes, especially as entrepreneurs. And, and this is one thing, uh, I actually wrote a list of like 21 the other day that, that I see most often. And this is a big one, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. So when somebody is just starting out in business, what are a few practical pieces of advice that you could give to them? I think one thing, and it's a concept that, that I really like, and I've, I've implemented in different ways. Um, but there's a concept of a visionary and an operator, right? And um, understanding which kind of entrepreneur you are. And every company needs someone who's driving the vision. And it's like, do we have the right product market fit? What's the next platform we need to advertise on? How do we evolve this marketing strategy? Like, has a vision for the, the different things that are going on that are going to move the needle, right? But also you need someone who can manage the path that you leave behind you where like all these new things you do, they leave like a residual workload and a detail load, right? That has to get managed. And the operator has to be able to do that. I'm like a weird kind of, I can do both. I probably spent too much time in the middle uh, I would say like year three, four of Lady Boss, where we kind of we kind of like flatlined our growth. We were growing like insane, and we kind of flatlined because I was too involved in the operations, not enough in the vision, and I oversystematized things. Right, so you can like come back and forth, but I think just having those two functions clear, whether it's one person, two people, three people that kind of share, and just having like we need to have someone who's strength is vision and someone whose strength is operating. Um, and so a lot of times this works out in reality for 
uh, a new entrepreneur to get a strong personal assistant, executive assistant, director of operations, COO. There's different levels and pay grades and and needs, but that's typically like a very uh, important hire that has to be made, especially when all of that residual details are starting to bog down the the development of the business, right? Like bring someone in to work in the business so you can work on it type of philosophy. That So I think that definitely comes to mind. Yeah, that's a, a great answer. I, I totally agree with that. Why do you think it is that most entrepreneurs and business owners fail? Because it's freaking hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy answer. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it is. It's it's insanely hard. It's like, it's like you have to like will something into, into creation, right? Like you have to literally will and you have to invest and you have to see something. You have to have absolute faith. It's like, you know, the evidence of things unseen. It's like, you have to have faith that, that this thing or idea is, you have to see it before it's there. And then you have to go create it. And then you, when you visualize it, there's like a straight path to it but it's actually like you get knocked off the path like 16,000 times along the way and you have to have the wherewithal and the, the will and the the energy you know to to get pick yourself back up peel yourself back up um during that and keep going um and then sometimes man it's timing like timing matters like like when i think about um you know i have friends that had incredible google businesses that a, an algorithm update obliterated them overnight like timing matters, right? And you could say, oh, were they any less of an entrepreneur? It's like, no, it's like iOS update obliterated a lot of companies. Like it, it not only did it wipe $250 billion off of Facebook's market cap, where do you think like that advertising revenue, you know, it came from companies that aren't advertising anymore, right? It's like, so, so I think timing is a big deal. I think, uh, I think it's hard. I think timing is a big deal. I think, I think there's just a lack of execution, you know what I mean? I think people just don't realize what it's actually going to take. I think it always takes, you know, cliche 10x times more, you know, than you think. You know, like I Grant Cardone stuff's great. I love that. That concept stuck with me. I was like, man, it does take 10 times more than you think it's going to take. Right. And I think most people just aren't willing to put that in. They don't want it bad enough. So I, I, I think I think that sums that up. Exactly like you're talking about before, like everybody sees the highlight reel, like look how amazing Brandon is, but they don't see what it took to get there, right? It wasn't just like when try this thing, boom, then you're a hundred million dollar company, right? It's a process. Yeah. And it was like I was in women's living rooms, like making them product and shakes before I started my own company. Like I, I was literally yeah. in hundreds of living rooms. Like I, I learned my market, I learned my customer, I understood who they were. Like I, I spoke to them, I understood their you know, their fears and their desires. And like, and, and it was, it was a grind, you know, but that laid, laid the foundation for, you know, a company to grow at the rate that, that we've grown. Exactly. Yeah. Laid the foundation. Um, and that's why it looks like it was overnight success, but really it was, you know, years in the making. I'm curious, what would you say are some of the pros and cons of running a business with your wife? Uh, the pro is you're running a business with your wife. The con is you're running a business with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, is she going to listen to this or not? I, I got to think about this one, right? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I kind of look at this, like whether you're, you're, if you're listening and you have your wife involved or just a business partner to me, it's, it's pretty similar. 
um, in nature, just the way that it operates. I think the pros are you get to share that together. My, my wife is a, is an absolute crusher. I mean, she is like, when we met in network marketing, she was making twice as much money as I was. <laughs> so I'll just set the record straight, you know? Um, and, uh, and I'm learning, I always learn from her and it's cool to see as time has evolved, we've kind of understood our own skill sets and, and, and developed those and leaned on each other for those. But I think, I think a pro is that you, you get to share that together and that, that, it, you know, it can enrich your marriage, right? I think the whole, like, don't talk about business outside of work thing with your spouse is stupid. I think like, I think that's just so difficult to do. You know, it's like, it's like, this is what you're doing. Like, it's what you have to talk about sometimes, like, just let it happen, you know? And, uh, and so I think, I think that's just the biggest thing, doing it together and sharing that. Um, I have other family members that are a part of, of my company and I love, you know, it's hard. And so the cons probably to lead into that is, it's hard to do it because you have multiple hats you wear with them. I think one thing I like to do in, in conversations, especially if they're difficult, is just be like, I'm putting on my like boss hat for a second. You need to understand where I'm coming from. And just like setting that frame um, when you communicate with your wife and your business partner, you don't do that as much, but, but it's difficult. So, so I think the cons with your wife would probably be, it just makes another layer of complexity where... Um, it, any, anywhere where you don't have cl- like clear expectations and roles in, in how you work together is going to, it's going to fester. It's going to show a weak point. It's going to create conflict, right? Wherever you're not clear. I think you've got to have a lot of trust w- once you've established, like you're doing this, I'm doing this, you know, and this goes for any partnership. Right. And like make a list, like, like actually a list, like, like workshop it and, and revisit it often, right? Because your business will evolve. And so working with your spouse and the roles you guys play together is going to evolve, right? Like maybe she doesn't want to keep keep growing and like being an executive. Like maybe she like finds like an area she really likes and then that's where she wants to be like, great, you know, but if you're not evaluating, you know, the role that you're playing and what you'd like to do and what you're good at, then you kind of miss those things. Like I've seen, I've seen, um, I've seen entrepreneurs get bad advice and then like, they're just doing what their mentor told them. And, and this is a tough one, right? It's like, nobody's perfect, but, but I've seen them get bad advice and they're playing these roles in their business. And like, what, like, like their mentor was like, Hey, this looks really good. But then one of them completely hated it. And it like destroyed a lot of results for them. Right. It's like, so that's why you got to have that conversation and evaluate that together and, and be clear about, you know, what role you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that answer. And I think that's great advice saying, Hey, I'm going to put on this hat now. You know, I know you're my my wife or my whatever other relative, but now I'm putting on this hat. Uh, my wife, Brittany, and I do that too. So we don't have a business together, but she has a business as well. And so we talk about business all the time too. I know several other areas of your life are, are very important to you as well, not just business. And you want to be successful in those too. How do you yeah. balance your business with the rest of your life and specifically being a great husband and a great dad? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate your assumption. I'm a great husband and a great dad. Ask my wife. Hopefully she says the same thing. <laughs> uh, I'd like to think so. Um, I, I think it's more of like a rhythm than a balance, right? Um, rhythm implies, you know, it's, it's fluid. It can shift and change and it's not equal in all of its pieces and components, right? So I like that. That's the way I like to think about it. Um, I think you get in a life rhythm, and you have to evaluate that life rhythm. You know, people goal set, I like habit set, right? Like I don't, 
like I like I said, like, hey, here's like where I want to go. But but more importantly is how do I get there? And so that just boils down to habits. And so and so I uh, I evaluate on a quarterly cycle what those habits are and I track them separately from my business. So I have a just like a habit tracker app that I just put those things in. I I set because I have a whole planning cadence and process inside of my company. And so I, I, uh, I don't put it in that same bucket. I, I put it outside of that. And so the, the, to me, the way I found to manage it is, is by getting it clear of like, okay, what would I have to do to be a good dad? Like what's required to do that? Right. Well, for me, it's, I spend intentional time with, with my girls every day. It doesn't need to be two hours. Doesn't need to be, you know, it could be five minutes. It could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour. Like I just find that as long as I'm there and present with them after about 20 minutes, they're bored of me anyway. And they're like off and playing with something, you know what I mean? It's like, but, but if I spend none, then they're chasing me around the house all day or, or after work, you know what I mean? So, so I think that, you know, you kind of got to feel that out, but, but, but it's putting it into like an actual activity or residual habit that you have. And that's as simple as that. I don't think it's harder than that. You know what I mean? And, and when I think about, so, so husband's a whole different thing, right? Like, I think that's probably harder. I think being a good dad's kind of like just spend the energy and be intentional. I think the husband thing's probably harder, but <laughs> you know, maybe uh, uh, I think the way that I've found to manage it is is just doing things together. You know, like like going on a date night. It doesn't have to be dinner. Like you don't have to spend a bunch of money or or not or whatever you want. Spend a bunch of money, I don't, whatever works for you. But you know, just doing stuff together. Uh, my family, we like to go on the lakes. We have a boat. And instead of buying a Ferrari, I bought the equivalent of a boat and I could bring all my family on it. And we just spend time together. We hang out. There's no screens, you know, there's no, there's just like, we're doing activities together out there. We're having a good time together. So I think you have to be intentional about the activities with your wife. And, uh, and there's a million other things that I've tried to put into place that I, you know, some, some I should talk about on this podcast. Some I shouldn't, but <laughs> no, that's good. That, that, that's good. That's good. practical. Have, stuff. have sex with your wife. That's a good one. That, that'll really help. <laughs> I promise. In fact, I've talked to a lot of, I've talked to a lot of pastors uh, and th- who counsel couples and 99% of the time when they have like a struggle relationship, they're not intimate. It's like, you know, what you think would be crazy or the, or the, the woman's withholding it. Right. Or like the guys like, you know, getting it somewhere else. That's like a whole nother conversation, but it's like, that's so important, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you said about habit setting versus goal setting. Cause it, it comes down to what you're doing every day. I read that somewhere online at some point, like this week, I, th- that's a new thing, but that's what I do. Like I've been doing that, but like someone said, it, I was like, that's what it's called. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've never heard yeah, it said quite like that before either, but I, it's awesome. Love it. So you had a really awesome post on Facebook, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago or so. It was talking about success versus fulfillment. What do you think the difference between the two is, and how can you have both? Oh, that's great, man. Um, how, the difference between success and fulfillment. The the very detail oriented side of me wants to just Google the definition so I don't mess it up. Um, so I think people people attach uh, financial success to the word success but it's really yeah. just like accomplishing, right? Accomplishing a name, you know? Um, I secretly just Googled it. I'm gonna look at fulfillment here. Achievement of something desired, promised, or predicted. Yeah, so they, they sound really similar in, in definition, but I think the way that most people think about them is success is achievement. Fulfillment is like a, a deeper, you know, uh, maybe a more of a deeper soul, spirit kind of fulfillment, right? 
like a piece or, or something like that. So I think, I think I would define success in this context of like achieving goals and fulfillment is like being overall, overall satisfied with, with what you're doing in your life. Right. I think it's a state. Right. And so you asked how, how do I, was the second part you asked? I asked how you can have both. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are, like you said, people connect success financially. Most of the time, it's a lot of rich people that are not happy, not fulfilled. Right. Right. Man, well, for uh, for all of my uh, all my believer people out there, you need to meet Jesus to figure that one out. Like, like really, but like for those people who aren't comfortable with that, I would say I think fulfillment goes beyond yourself. I think success is about yourself, and I think fulfillment goes beyond yourself. And so, when you spend time, energy, money on things that are beyond you, I think that creates fulfillment. Um, I think you know, do, am I fulfilled in a way when I, when I create my own business success? Yes. But I don't know if it's as good as when I'm putting my daughter to bed and she's just looking me in the eyes like the other night and just like blown away by this human being and like the amount of like love and trust she has for me. And, and I've earned that. I've set boundaries. I've been present. I've, I'm in her life. She's safe around me. She feels comfortable. Like that's a fulfillment because it's beyond me, right? Like all of that, I didn't get like, like anyone who's ever raised a toddler knows that it is not to your benefit uh, raising a toddler. It's like, it's inconvenient. It's hard. It's emotionally taxing. Like, but, but the fulfillment at the end of it in that kind of way, I, I think that that trumps, you know, personal success. So I think you can have, I think you can have both, but, and you should have both, but fulfillment, fulfillment's beyond. And, and then, you know, in terms of like giving, right? Like I'm a big believer in giving and it's, it's a principle for me, right? It's like we've given to dozens of organizations and like we've made money and so we've given, right? And so, you know, I, I like to bless people. Like it's fun. Like I enjoy it. It's fulfilling, you know? So I think you can have both. I think one's about you and one's about others. I think that's how I would think about it. Great way of putting it. Yeah. You know, Tony Robbins says something that I love. He says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And that's one of the things I, I really love about you, respect about you, Brandon, because you really do care about your family and being a great husband, a great dad. It's not just about, let me see if I can make a billion dollars or $10 billion or, or whatever. So that's awesome. And that leads really great into- uh, Dude, I don't know what I would do with a billion dollars, to be honest with you. That's <laughs> a freaking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Now that, that leads great into my next question that I want to ask you is how important has your faith been to your success in your business and life? I mean, it's pivotal, critical, foundational. I don't, those, those, those things come to mind. You know, I'm uh, you know, th- there's a, there's a, a passage in scripture. I think it's like Titus that God, God basically says, that if you, if he says, test me. And so he only like in the Bible, God only uh, offers up a test uh, in this way. And it's, it's giving and giving specifically to, um, you know, I guess it would be, uh, you know, to him and, and through organizations that, that espouse his beliefs and, and, and his principles. Right. And so tithing is 10%. And so I was on my knees, like at the end of myself, Kalen was about to leave me. The network marketing company had crashed. This was like all right before we started lady boss. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try this giving thing. God, I'm going to test you. And, uh, and that was like, I have never stopped since that moment. And that's like been the rocket ride I've been on. So it feels very correlated to me in that kind of personal experience. But I mean, my faith's pivotal, right? It's like, I could tell you firsthand, the $23 was better than the hundred million. And my experience says money doesn't actually 
create fulfillment or happiness. It's just a tool to make you feel more of what you already feel. I think in a way people say it makes you more of who you already are in a way. Going back to what role it plays, I, it's a guiding light for me. It's like, well, how do you know you should do this or not? If you don't have, when you say my faith, like the Bible and Jesus, that's who I follow. If, you, if I didn't have that, I don't have a compass, dude, I'd be a crazy mofo if I had the money that I have now. And I was like, not like a believer. And I wasn't like tame, <laughs> not, 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 not in like a, like a neutered animal way, but like a tame, like, I'm just like, I'm not a ravenous wild single guy, like I would be insane because that's just my nature is just crazy. And so, you know, I actually, I actually came to that faith through success. It's super weird. Like most people end up in a church because they're like at the end of themselves, cancer, death in the family, like tragedy. Right. I went because I was like 19 successful on stages, speaking in front of crowds, had influence you know, it wasn't that great, like at the standards that most people will probably measure or whatever. But like, to me, it was like, man, this is what everybody in the world says you're supposed to have. And I was like, this sucks. This is empty. This is it really. And so that's actually how I came. I didn't grow up in church or anything like that. I was like, man, there's gotta be more than this. And uh, you know, who's got answers. And so I just started evaluating all the answers that were out there. And I found the ones that felt the most congruent to me. And here I am. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. And uh, last question for you here, Brandon, what is your definition of an extraordinary man? Oh man. Extraordinary man. I think, um, I think I'd have to lean on, on my, uh, my biblical foundation here about what an extraordinary man is. And I'll probably butcher this for all of the scholarly people out there, but I think, I think a, a man that, that loves his wife that protects his family and, uh, and contributes to society. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of wimpy men out there, man. I think, I think right now there's a, there's a mainstream message of like feminizing men. And, and, you know, I, I think that you can be a man without being a freaking wimp. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay to stand for something, right? It's okay to, to believe in something. It's okay to, to, uh, to, to be masculine and, and protect and defend and like, you know, go on a hunt and like adventure after things, right? Like we don't need to like suppress that. That's healthy. I think, I think a, an extraordinary man shows up for their children, whether they plan them or not. I think that's a big test of, of a man. And, 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 you know, one thing that I've always espoused is that I'm, I want to be somebody who does what I say I'm going to do. And so I'm not the type that talks a lot about what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm more of like, I just do it. And then just like, you know, people can talk whatever if they want to about it or not. I don't really care. I just do it. But if I do say something, I'm, I'm going to do it, you know, and that's, that's a principle to me. So I think, I think all of those things reside. It's hard to like narrow down like one thing. You make me like really think about it with that question. Yeah. That, that was a fantastic answer. I, I loved it. And it's not really just one thing, right? It, it, yeah. it is multiple things. Well, this has been amazing. Brandon, where can people go to find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah. Uh, just Facebook or Instagram, Brandon Poulin, P-O-U-L-I-N. So I, I post on there. I, I update on there. If you're a lady, you could go to ladyboss.com and grab some awesome health products. If you're a guy, don't, don't send a lady boss link to your wife. Be careful. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> that, might, that might get you in trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, I, that's awesome. I'll make sure all the links for that are down in the show notes below, but Brandon, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, Ryan, it was fun, man. Appreciate it. Great questions. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man Podcast. Here's the thing. You're never going to maximize your potential on your own. 
So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the Private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. Just head over to Facebook and type Extraordinary Man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.